So I decided to, for the next three weeks, to do something on Maimonides. It's about learning your personality development and life skills of Maimonides. So he wrote 14 different books. And of the 14 books, there was uh, one section in his first book, which is very short. It's about seven chapters, very, very small. And it's called Hilchot Deot the laws of basically the mind. And it teaches me everything I need for life skills and personality development. So here's the big, the reason why I think this is so important. He lived about 800 years ago. And most people that sees this can say, okay, 800 years ago, wisdom. Come on, dude. I can do better than that. There must be some better stuff coming up now. Why do I need wisdom from 800 years ago? And the truth is that we do. And I'll tell you why. I was just having this conversation um, today with somebody. And I was talking just about dating and life in general. And I, was, I came to the conclusion of something that I think ev- would resonate with everyone. So we all have experiences in our life. We grow up in a certain environment, a family. And there are things that our family do that we all say, I will never do. I do not want to be like my parents. They did this and this for me and I didn't like it. When I have my kid, I'm going to do something completely different. So we all go through that moment or that thought in our mind. And I believe that everyone goes through that. But we don't. what we don't go through is the thought of, wow, this is something I want to keep with my kids. You see, the positive sides of, of the way I grew up, I take for granted and never say that I don't want them to happen. I, I, I just, I, I believe it's going to happen. You can all think of certain things that you grew up with, with your parents, and you say, for sure, I want to live a lifestyle like them. They, they built a family. I mean, I, I subconsciously believe that one day I'm going to live like my parents. They are my role models. So I'm going to live like them. So we all go through things that we say to ourselves we for sure don't want to do that our parents did to us when we grew up, whether it's the school that I got sent to or the style of upbringing or the things that they were very uh, strict on and the things that they were very lenient on, whatever it was. There's certain things I say I want to have in my life that I'm going to grow up in my family and there's certain things I do not want. And uh, the things that we don't want, we're very sure about, but the things we do want, we're not always so sure about. We just know that that's what I want. And here's the great discovery that I came up to, I came up with today. And that is, who says that just because those things my parents did successfully are for sure going to be the things that I'm going to do successfully? For instance, most people here will tell me that their parents, and this is not a petition for marriage, it's just, it's just reality, but most, going back, in, going back 30, 40 years ago, right, 20 years ago, there was the, the whole world of technology was different. People were much more in their own space. I mean, you look back 20 years and the difference, the other, the other week I was watching a video of 9-11 and I was like, wow, it feels like ancient, it feels like the 80s. But it wasn't. It was just 20 years ago. And 20 years is fast. It's a lot. So the, the, the advancement of where we've become and in terms of technology to where we were then is completely crazy. And so is the value system that we have. 
There are things that we'd never say that we used to always say. Uh, today, we have changed the way we speak, changed the way we think, changed the way people date. If you think in any way that you're going to have the same lifestyle that your parents had, it's wrong because our style of dating is different. You know, there's many people that I know who um, live a very American lifestyle and their parents got married at 25. That's unheard of in America today. But that happened. So who says that the values that you love by your family, the values that you really liked that your family did have, are going to be the values that you have? In fact, the odds are many of them may not be because of the style of living today. For instance, building a family. Building a fam- today, it's, it's, it's frowned upon for having children. It's, un, uh, it's not recognized in any way for building a family. It's not a value that we think of from young age. We, we only think of it you know, post-30. So the, the value system that we're in has completely transitioned to a different system that we're in today. So who says that the way the upbringing I had through my parents are going to be the same way that I'm going to bring up my kids? And the truth is it's not if I live in the, in, based on the culture of the place that I'm living in. The truth is it's not. This needs to be really thought about because we take for granted a lot of the things we were given growing up. But you know what? Those values have changed. And who says they're going to stick by me? So... The reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, today we've advanced a lot in 20 years. A lot in terms of technology, in terms of how we feel. We've advanced in ways, you know, we have amazing washing machines now. Great. We've ad- technologically, physically, in terms of how we feel physically, we've advanced, but not spiritually. I don't believe that we've advanced majorly in terms of who we are as people and how we think. We've, we've changed. We may be thinking differently because technology has influenced us, but we've not changed within for who we are. In fact, many times convenience has just made us um, less spiritual, not more spiritual. Not, it doesn't necessarily make us better. It can actually make us more lazy. So all I'm, all I'm saying, this is not a bash against technology. All I'm saying is when I want to share with you the wisdom of Maimonides of 800 years ago, I'm going to show you, number one, that his wisdom is so relatable today. And number two, you're going to see that these are values that we cannot take for granted and we need to work on them. Otherwise, we will not have those values. We can't just say, oh, everything is going to be fine. It's not going to be fine if I don't take on the values that really make those things fine. If, if, if we, for instance, marriage... Uh, yeah, I'll find, I'll find some, I'll get married and then it'll be fine. It's not going to be fine if I don't study about marriage and I don't recognize that marriage is a work and I don't take on the values that Judaism teaches about marriage. It's not going to be fine. I'll tell you why it's not going to be because there's 50% of marriage failure, 50% of divorce rate. That's very high. So it's not just going to be fine unless I actually invest in it. That's what I need to do. So what are the keys that I can have to, A, have an amazing life? And it's not only about money, but also what are the keys to making sure that I have a great character? I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. And what are the keys to making sure that, my, that me as a person, I'm going to have those values that I always want in my life 
and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I really have them. I can't guarantee that everything's going to work out, right? There's some people that did all the things that they were meant to and not everything worked out. But there are certain tools that I can invest in and, and gain in life, okay? So I'm going to share with you uh, the text of Maimonides. This is Laws of Personal Development. I'm not going to go through uh, t- word by word, but he wrote seven different chapters, very short, not major, but all of them are very cool and amazing tools that you can use for making yourself the best you that you can be. Okay? So um, that's what it is. Let's go to the second page. So here are the topics of what he uses to um, tell me how I can be the best me that I can be. So he gives me 11 different things that I need to do in order to really be the best me. One is to emulate God's ways. Now, what does that mean? To go in the way of God. What does that mean? To cling, to be stuck to those that know him. To love your fellow Jew. How do you get to love your fellow Jew? To love a convert. Not to hate your brothers, even though that fills into the category of love. But there's also not to feel hate inside of you. To give rebuke in times that is necessary. Not to embarrass not to oppress the unfortunate, not to gossip, not to take vengeance, and not to bear a grudge. These are 11 things that he brings in this um, 11 mitzvot. These are separate mitzvot in the Torah of the 613 mitzvot that he brings in order to achieve a lifestyle that can actually make my life much, much better. Sounds crazy. How does not embarrassing somebody make my life a lot better? We're going to see, but it's really mind-blowing. So I'm going to go straight into chapter number one. And go through some of the text of what he says, okay? And he starts off by saying that everybody has a different personality. There are many personalities. I, I, I didn't, this is not exactly the text of Maimonides. I cut it to short because it's a bit longer. So I cut it to as short as I could. Um, but just to give you the idea of how he starts off. There are many personalities. No one is the same, he says. Some are always angry. Right? Have you ever noticed some people, they always get agitated. Some people are more relaxed. Some people never get agitated. And if they do, it's once in seven years, he says. There are those that are extremely pr- proud of themselves. They have gvalev, which means I am better than everybody else. And there's those that feel absolutely worthless. Some are filled with desires and are never satiated. They're never satisfied. They always want more. They want more and more and more, whether it's food and um, uh, sexual relations, right? There's those people that always feel lust inside of them and they're chasing their lust. And he says, this fills the words of Solomon who says, uh, if somebody has money, he'll never be satiated with money. Somebody eats, he'll never be satiated with what he eats. He always wants more. If somebody loves money, he says, Solomon says, Ohev kesef lo yispah. If somebody loves money, he will never be filled with money. You can't put money in your mouth and eat it. So if you love it, you're just going to want more and more and more and more. And it's just going to be a desire that doesn't end. Okay, so he says, some are filled with that desire all the time to make money. Some are relaxed and don't make that effort. He gives other examples. Uh, needy. There's some people that are very, very needy and no money is enough, like he said. Some, they are happy with a small amount. Some are very stingy. They will never 
give a penny to anybody that comes to them. And there are those that hate spending their money. That goes in the category of stingy, meaning if they do spend their money on some food, they absolutely regret it, right? There's some people, they go to an organic uh, um, uh, store and they get themselves some groceries, but they are so upset that they had to spend $10 on groceries. They are agitated by the fact that they spent their money. Some people don't care. They don't think twice. Here's the card. Every single person acts differently. No two people are the same. The Talmud says, Just as every person's face is different, so too is their inner character different. By the way, this is how he starts off. Why? Because if you want to be happy in life, you can't live somebody else's life. You have to recognize that you are you and nobody else. There's no way that you can live somebody else's life. And one of the biggest challenges we have in life, I believe, is that we always try to live somebody else's life. We never try and live or be satiated with the life that I am and my own personality. Stop trying to be somebody else. And these are the words that he's saying. Everyone's different anyway. There are those that are major spenders. There are those that are not. He gives many, many examples. Those that are always laughing. Those that are always sad. Those that are always talking, those that are always silent. These are all personalities. In Hebrew, he calls them de'ot, mindsets. And uh, actually, in the Talmud, uh, a personality is also called, does anyone know in, in Hebrew, modern Hebrew, what a personality is called? Does anyone know what a personality is in Hebrew? There's uh, a number of ways of saying it. Does anyone know? So the word for personality in Hebrew is either ofi, which means a character, or mida. Mida is also a way of saying it, which means measure. And your character is called a mida, a measure. Why? Because whatever you do, whatever personality you have, you have to measure it. How much of it should be used and how much of it should not. You have, if you have within you a certain sense of um, pride, you have to measure it to know how much of it should be used and how much shouldn't. Okay, so this is the reason why all personalities need to be called measure. Even though sometimes you might see somebody and you think, "Whoa, they are hyperactive. Their personality is way too out off the." Off the charts, that's crazy. That's a bad personality. The truth is, it's a midah, it's a measure. Meaning, don't destroy that personality. It just needs to be measured right. If we take that person's personalities, we don't believe for, as, as Jewish people to destroy our personality. We, we believe in using it for the right reasons, right? Uh, utilizing my personality in the right way. So that's um, why we, are called, we call this a measure. And he goes on to say something very interesting. Okay, so this is section two of his thing. There is a middle path to all extremes. So whatever personality you have, you have to know that there is two extremes to it and there's a middle path to it. So give me a personality that you could think of. Anyone got a personality that comes off your head that you could think of? Anyone? Anyone got a personality that you could think of? Humble. Okay, humility. Humility is 
a personality? What's the extreme of humility? Meaning Probably. the extreme opposite. Like autistic. Haughtiness. Right? Pride. And what did Joseph say? Egotist. Ego. Okay, so that's one side. What would be the other side? Now this is the this is it's not humility. The exact opposite of humility could be ego, but it could be something else. What's the opposite of somebody who has ego? Humble? I don't know. I don't think so. What's the exact opposite? I mean, uh, the exact opposite of being humble is being not humble. The okay. The opposite of being uh, no pride, no being, no wait. We said, but but yeah, when I asked you, is, good, 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 good. Like, when I asked you, what's the extreme of humility? You told me it's having an ego. Now I want to ask you, what's the extreme opposite of having an ego? Having no ego. Having no self-esteem. Oh, no self-esteem. Is that the same as humility? Is that the same as humility? No. No. So you just told me that the exact extreme of humility is ego, right? But you should also know that the other side, the exact extreme of humility is having no self-esteem at all. Somebody who feels absolutely worthless will go on that side. Somebody who feels humble wouldn't know it, right? But somebody who is humble would go right there in the middle. And somebody who is very proud will go right there on the other side. So the exact opposite, whatever personality you could think of, you have to always see what's the the highest level of that personality, meaning the most of that personality and what's the lowest of that personality and you'll see that what you're thinking of isn't actually the lowest there's a lower stage right we were thinking of humility but there's actually a much lower stage and that's where i don't think of myself as anything so i would put self uh uh, no self-esteem on one side pride on the other and in the middle i will have humility does that make sense to everybody Okay, so Maimonides says, based on the Torah, that the best path to have is obviously, which one? Right, we have on one side, we have ego. The other side, we have worthless. And in the middle would be humility. Which one's the best path to have? Joseph. Yo, Gabe, what's the best path to have? Humility. Should you have, right, humility, that's the middle path. So he says, whatever personality you have, the best thing to find is the middle path. That is the golden path. We're going to see that it's not always the golden path. But in general, that is the golden path in life. Can somebody? So we said humility, ego, and no self-esteem. Does anybody have any other examples? Any personality that you can think of that comes Someone to mind? Greedy? Sorry? Greed? Greed. Okay. Very, very greedy. Always wants everything for himself, right? Take a taker, right? That's greed. So now let's think of what's the exact opposite of greed. Charitable. Right. Someone who's an absolute giver. So greed is somebody who always wants to take and somebody who always wants to give. What would be the middle path of those two? Eli's there. He knows this. He knows it in his sleep. 
What's the middle path of the two? Somebody who gives and takes. Good. You give and take, but really you want to be a a giver even when you're taking. But what's the, what would be that giver and take? What would that person be? Do you know what it is? Somebody who doesn't give too much, doesn't give everything, right? I would call it conscious giving. Okay, the extreme of of one personality would be he keeps all the money to himself. The extreme of the other personality is give all his money away to everybody. Maimonides says that's a bad thing to do. It's also not good to be too charitable. To give all your money away to everybody is also bad. So what's the right path? The middle path. What would that be? Conscious giving. I'm giving 10% because that's what the Torah tells me. And I'm giving it consciously in the right way with a love, with a smile. But also I'm not giving all that I own because that's not what Judaism wants you to do. That's the middle path. Again, we found the middle path. Okay? Greed will be one extreme. Giving everything will be the other extreme. That's too much chesed. By the way, do you know that a, um, a, a person that's a zona, a, a harlot, somebody who's in forbidden relationships, is in the Torah is actually called a chesed. A chesed. She got, gets the name of uh, kindness. Did you know this? Did you know that somebody who's in forbidden relations uh, in the Torah at certain times gets the name of chesed, a name of kindness? Forbidden relations gets a name of kindness. Why? Because she's being too kind, right? Putting her kindness in the wrong way, putting her, or putting his kindness in the wrong place, right? Giving in a wrong place can also be something that you don't want to do. So that's why it's called chesed, because chesed has no boundaries. But sometimes chesed with no boundaries isn't good. So we always need to look for the middle path of where I am. Sometimes people tell me, you know, you, you, you're too quiet. Well, let's think about it. You should go to your own side and think about it. The opposite of being very quiet is being very loud. What would be the middle path? Talking when you need to, when it's productive. Okay, so that would be the middle path. Oh, for you that's quiet? Okay, but I know that I'm in the middle path and I'm doing the right thing. Because for me, I know I'm going in the way of the Torah and the Torah says middle path is the golden path. Okay, so Maimonides, let's go back to his text. He says that we get our personalities either because genetically we have it in us so here we recognize, listen to, listen to the greatness of this. We recognize that genetically in your DNA, there is a chance that you actually have certain personalities. For instance, you could have anger genetically. That could be something that comes to you um, genetically. It's probably called, um, I think it's epigenetics, where you inherit certain character traits from either your actions or from your parents' actions. Right? The second thing is, you get influenced by your environment that you're from. Some people live in a very warm... I grew up in England. In England, no one says... No one it, it, um, shakes each other's hand and no one gives each other a hug just because they met them for the first time. Right? But in America, no matter who you meet, everyone's shaking your hand and everyone's giving you a hug. So English culture has definitely... These are the same people. They're both from Western civilization. But... And there's, uh, there's Jordan over there. I hope he's listening. So, um, but in England, it's very different. 
How come? Well, the environment has totally influenced our children and ourselves. I don't know what happened to me. The reason is because I came from a Moroccan family and a Moroccan in England doesn't do so well. So we got so much warmth at home that it's fine. It like transcends and I kind of fit into the culture here more than I do in England. But anyway, that's a different discussion. So we get our personality either genetically or from the environment or from something that we study. It could be that we studied something or saw a website that said something that can make and say, it resonates with me. Oh, that's a good idea. And from then on, we adapted that way of living. Okay? So it's interesting to point out that you can actually be influenced by reading something. You can actually be influenced outside of your own uh, environment and outside of your genetic Just by reading something, you can be influenced. That's why Judaism believes we have to be careful even with what we read. Never mind with what we hear and what we say, but even with what we read, has to, we have to make sure it comes from a credible, reliable source. There's many very wise people that will never read Mein Kampf. It's just like, I know who wrote it and his soul is in that text. And I don't want that energy in me. I just don't want it. Run! So... Uh, there are many Jews that wouldn't read that book, and it's understandable why not. So anyway, we are all either influenced genetically, the environment that we're from, or from something that we studied. And for this reason, we are all very different. No one is the same. Again, he's pointing out how we're all very different. But Maimonides does believe, even if you have a genetic uh, code in you which tells you that you should be angry, Maimonides still believes that we could change it. Judaism really does believe in the concept of genetically, um, of, of changing myself, even no matter what the situation is. There's obviously certain things I can never change, but I could, over the years, change myself. Okay? So, let's go to number three. The two extremes are not good. Don't do it, and don't make it your habit. He says two, two things. Number one, don't do it. Meaning, oh, I'll try that out. You know, I'll, I'll be angry just for today, just to try. I want to be angry. So don't even try it. And once you do try it, don't let it be your habit because that's how it works. It says in the Talmud, if somebody does something wrong, uh, he'll do it a second time and eventually it will become to him like as if it's good to do it. So normally the th first time we do something wrong, we're like, oh, why did I do that? The second time we do it, we're like, okay. And now I'm going to start justifying it and saying that it's actually something good to do. So that's what he, uh, that's what the Talmud says. It starts coming something that you, you think is good to do. So he says, the two extremes are not good. Don't do it and don't make it your habit. If you find you are going too much to any of them, you must turn back to the straight path, which is the middle path. I'm just copying his language. Sorry, the English here is a bit messed up because I was copying the words that he was saying, translating it. So he's saying that what we need to aim for is the middle path. Always move yourself back to the middle. If you find that today you've been too angry, you have to make sure you go back to the middle. The question is, how do we do that? But this is what Maimonides is saying. Okay. And he says again, That's the way of the righteous people. The right way is to be exactly in the middle of the two extreme. A person needs to always be alert and aware if he is in the middle path. Always. No matter what your situation is, where am I? Am I in the middle path? And it's interesting how Maimonides points out that you can never say, oh, I figured this out now. You know, I'm 60 years old and I've got it figured out. I know 
myself and I know that I've overcome anger. I've overcome my laziness and I'm always in the middle. You can never always be in the middle. You know why? You know why you keep moving? Why do you think you move? So sometimes a person can work on himself for years in terms of anger, in terms of laziness, but he still needs to constantly be aware of, am I in the middle? It's like as if you're on this, uh, I don't know what it's called, that thing which keeps moving, you know, like it's, it's a graph that constantly moves. It never stays in the middle. Why is it that we can't overcome our temptations, overcome our personalities, whether it's anger, calmness, uh, whatever it is, and, and why can't we just get into the middle path and stay there? Does anyone know why it's so hard for us to stay in the middle path? And why is it that we always need to measure? Where am I? Am I in the middle? Is anyone getting me here? Yeah, maybe because we're not consistent enough, so we just go up and down. So, kind of like if you're working out, like one day you'll go to the gym like for a couple of days and then you'll just stop and then just not do it for a month. And then obviously that... Right. Consistency is a reason. We're not consistently working on it. And if you just let it go, you fall, which means that you growth, meaning coming a better person is something that we need to consistently work on. We can never just let go. In Judaism, if you let go, you just fall. It's like you're climbing. You're either going up the ladder or going down the ladder. There's no standing in the middle. That's good. Any other reason? Why is it? That we can't either go, just stay and be happy with the way we are. Like, for instance, marriage, okay? This is a perfect example. Marriage is something that you work on your whole life. You can't just get married in the first day and say, okay, after two years, that's it. Me and my wife are good. We're like this. Boom. We're done. We don't need to work on our marriage ever. Marriage is something you've got to constantly work on. But I'll tell you something else. You know why you've got to constantly work on it? Or maybe someone else wants to throw in. I see that Eli wants to say something. Go for it. No, I'm just trying to understand exactly what you're asking. I haven't wrapped my head around it all. Okay, so I'm asking that there's certain personalities that we always need to work on. My modesty says that we constantly need to be alert and aware. Am I in the middle path? The golden path of life is to be in the middle. And we need to constantly be aware. Am I in the middle path? And my question is, why do we need to be constantly aware? If I overcome a certain personality, or I overcome mm-hmm. anger. I was just actually Shlomo and I were talking about this today like the evil inclination is always adapting so even though you like you know, overcome one thing then the evil inclination is just going to adapt to try to like make you fall in another way exactly so, like, so that's beautiful the evil inclination is always there and if you don't work on it it would come from another angle and try and make you fall 100% so you've got to constantly make sure that you're on that middle path like we were saying good right. any other any other reasons I want to tell you something that I think... Oh, Eli, go for it. Any other reasons why we're not on the middle path? So, yes. Meaning, if I've... Why? I'll give you another example, Eli, okay? I'll put it in terms that you can understand, right? Marriage, let's say, is like... Is, is a big part of life. And when you get married... So, the first year is difficult because you're working on yourself and you're very different from each other. But the second year, you should be able to say, okay, fine, guys, we got this. Me and her are together. Boom. And you'll never argue again about the same things. It should be that if you get married after the first year, you have it all figured out. But it's not true. 
Anyone who's married will tell you it's, a, it's something that they work on daily all the time. Right. Right? So, for instance, they used to get very upset about uh, money. After a year or two, money wasn't an issue for them and they calmed down. And when it comes to money, they know how to talk between themselves. At the beginning, it was very hard for them to discuss money because it always like, got in the wrong place and it was just a bad argument. But over time, they learn how to live with each other. And now, they, whenever they talk about money, it's done in a real good way, right? But how can you not be sure that you will not succeed? That's it. You figured it out. That's it. With, in terms of money, you're done. You're good. Your relationship is perfect. How can you and how do we know, that's what Maimonides is saying, that you, you, you can never be sure. You can never guarantee that you're going to be good. How come? And I just want to throw in, I'll tell you straight up. The reason is because life throws challenges at you. That's why. So it's true money could be figured out between you. But what happens if 10 years down the line, money's taken away from you and that difficult situation comes back? Ooh. So when, when life throws challenges at you, that's when the test comes back, right? As you, get, as you move along, you might say, okay, fine, we're, we're very tight, we're great in our marriage. Yeah, but then you have a kid. Oh, that's a different story. Who's going to wake up for the baby at three o'clock in the morning? Then you have... Right? So there's different responsibilities as time comes along that will then challenge your relationship. And the same happens with you as a person. So anger, for instance, you might tell me, okay, I've overcome it. Yeah, but then there's, there's that dude that's driving you nuts in the background. Right? There's that person in the background that's driving you crazy. So even though you might have worked on anger, but now there's somebody who's bothering you. So that could be a reason to... Not be able to overcome, meaning life throws challenges at us and pulls us away from the middle path. And that's why, according to Maimonides, we've got to constantly make sure that we're on the middle path, as well as what you said, evil inclination, what Joseph said, because if we don't grow, we fall, right? But these are all good reasons that we need to constantly work on ourselves, okay? Rabbi, I have a question. Yes. So in... You know, along the the vein of this whole like being in the middle and like you know only get angry when you you should get angry, you know when it's okay because you're trying to teach someone like like the slide says. Um, yeah. But like, what about? So I know in like Pirkei Avot it says like you know everyone always stay calm, like never burst in emotion, never show your like you know like n- never like weaken yourself by showing your emotions like too much, but like. In a, in a situation like this, like, w- would there be, you know, ever a situation where, like, you would show emotion because of this whole, like, not being on the extreme side or one or the other? Like, does that make sense? Yes. Em- like, em- emotions is a good thing. That's, that's exactly what we need to speak about because, you know, his, his example that he gives, and I, and I minimized his text. It's a shame I did, but I wanted to do that because otherwise it's going to take too long. But if you see... If you see the ex- where it says examples, so it says clearly, not angry and not apathetic, only in the middle. Okay, so he does give me this example where the opposite of anger is where I have no feelings at all. That's what he says. You shouldn't be somebody who's angry, but you shouldn't also be somebody who has no feelings at all. What is the opposite of anger? And the answer is, Maimonides says, is somebody has no feeling, apathy, not bothered at all. That's not good. Okay, so the fact that you actually do feel emotions going on when somebody's bothering you, 
that means that you're, you're woke, that you're awake, that you're there, right? That you, that you care about yourself, right? If you had no emotions and someone would hit you, then that's, that's bad, right? Because that means that you don't care about life anymore. It means that you're bothered enough about life that you actually get emotionally driven. So there is an element of anger in every situation by the fact that you actually care about things, right? When, when somebody's angry, what are they demonstrating? That they care. They're doing it in the wrong way. But that's what they demonstrate. Like, hey, I care. You, you're hurting me. I care about my life. I care about my uh, self-confidence. I care about the way I live. We have to recognize that there's a good part to it which needs to be embraced, which is the fact that you actually care about your reality or whatever's going on, okay? Does that answer your question? Yeah, totally. So, meaning don't, don't suppress your feelings completely because that is the opposite of anger. But it's true, Maimonides says, anger is something that we need to really distance ourselves more than any other personality. And he says, even when we do get angry, we should only do it to show that we're upset and only in areas that, uh, you know, that whether it's I'm a teacher or um, a, a parent or only in areas where it's really a necessity, not for my luxury, you know. Um, for, for instance, me as a parent, if my child drops the milk on the floor, do I get angry? That's a challenge for me, right? That's a real challenge for me. And you know what? If I did get angry, bad dad. That's a real bad dad. You know why? Because I'm teaching my kid that, oh, you can't make mistakes. I'm teaching my kid it's evil to spill a bit of milk on the floor. That's a bad dad. You want to be a good dad? Get upset when, you're, when your kid is, uh, you know, wasting a full day behind the scenes on Netflix. You know, that's when you should get upset or something else. But not when they spill milk by mistake. That's a human error. That's normal. So... Um, that's what he's saying as well. A person should only be upset about things or, or driven for things that are, ne- are, are a necessity, not a luxury. Just because something's not going my way, that's not a reason to be upset. Okay? So only desire the things that the body needs. This path is the path of the wise. He says the middle is the path of the wise. Okay, that's really the theme of uh, Rambam. So I'm just going to jump to the next thing, which is that he says uh, a chassid. So till now we spoke about a righteous person. Now he's going to explain what a chassid is. Now, hey, guys, I'm not talking about a chassid who has the peot and the beard like we are talking about that we think of today, right? That's not what a chassid means in terms of uh, the Talmud and not in terms of the... um, and not in terms of Maimonides. No one in the, in, in the Torah text, when they say the words chassid, do they mean a chassidic looking Jew? It doesn't mean that. That's just external. Those are beautiful things. I love chassidim. Those are beautiful things. We call them that today. But the idea of being a chassid is not just the external way that you look. That's nothing to do with it. I could be a chassid even if I don't have peot and a beard in terms of Talmud and in terms of uh, Maimonides. So could Joseph and so could anybody else, okay? So what does a chassid really mean, okay? What does it mean to be a chassidic Jew? And the answer is a pious person. That's the language uh, that we translate it, a pious person. What is a pious person? Look what he says. 
when he moves slightly to the other extreme so that he can stay in the middle. What happens is, for instance, if a person feels he's very, very proud, yes, Lev, like they say, he has a lot of pride in him. Everybody that comes his way is like stupid, worthless, behind the doors. Ah, he's, forget it, right? She, no way that they're going to succeed in their business. I don't care about anything they do. I'll never like anything they say or post, right? Only me. So somebody who feels deep within and is concerned about it, that I am uh, a bit too proud, what should they do? If I feel like I'm a bit too angry, what should I do? What's the, what's the remedy to this? So he says, that's what a, a pious person does. If he feels proud, he should go low spirit, low, make himself low in spirit, go to the exact opposite and eventually move towards humility. We said that the extremes are pride, low in spirit, which means no self-esteem. And in the middle would be humility. And Maimonides says, if you feel that you're being too proud, what you should do is take some time off. Don't be humble. Go even less than humble. Take some time off and make yourself feel like you're really not worth too much. Don't dress in the most expensive clothing. Dress in much more simple clothing for a while. Don't post on Facebook for a good month. Don't, don't show yourself and flash yourself to the public for a good month. Be very low key for a month and eventually move yourself back to the middle. Okay, if you feel, let's say, just talking about phones, if you feel like you're on the internet for too long, what should you do? Completely disconnect from the internet? It's bad, evil, da-da-da? No. I believe what you should do is distance from it for a month, take a Shabbat off from your phone for a month, and then go back to the middle. That's the right way that Maimonides says, okay? What he says is a chassid, a righteous person, not just a righteous, a pious person, is somebody that goes to the other extreme for a while, and then moves back to the middle. That's somebody who's a really good, extra pious, extra special personality. They go to the other extreme, then move back to the middle path. So somebody who's very angry, they need to train themselves to have no feelings at all for a while. Absolutely no emotions. Don't show any emotions at all to anything. And after a good month of doing that, after a good while of doing that, move back into the middle where you do get emotionally driven by things, but only slightly, okay? So that is how we believe is the remedy to fixing your problems in life. This is key, key, key to succeeding in life because you know what? If you're a good guy, you'll get a great spouse. You'll get great in business. You'll do really well in life and in all areas of life, right? It's all about who we really are from within. And how do you become a great person within? The answer is, in the middle what happens if i go to a bit to to the extreme of one of them what happens if i'm born and i have a bit too much of anger i grew up with a bit too much of pride i grew up with the answer is go to the other extreme for a short while spend some time making yourself on the other side but if it's anger feel a bit worthless for a while fit not worth it feel that you don't have any feelings at all for anything. Somebody talks to you. You see somebody saying something rude to you. You don't respond. Just ignore. For a whole while, just completely ignore any kind of offending response or, or comments that come your way. And eventually, it will turn the other way. It's fascinating how this works. But this is the remedy 
that we can do. One thing's for sure. Nobody should say, I was born this way and I cannot change. You can change. And there's a way that we could change. That's something that Judaism believes in. There's obviously, we do believe in medicine as well. But at the same time, there are ways that we can change ourselves. And here's the key, going to the other extreme and eventually moving to the middle. Okay, and he, Maimonides explains that this is to go in God's ways. There's a mitzvah in the Torah, bidrachav. Go in the ways of God. What does that mean? Go in the ways of God, it means to be in the middle path. That is the way of Hashem. Meaning that you're absolute, you encompass all. All values, because all these values are good, but you have to encompass them all, which is to go in the middle path. And that is, that's what it means to go in God's ways. Does this make sense to everybody? Do you like this stuff? Is this interesting? Okay, yes. that's good, that's good. Um, all right, so I think we'll, we'll finish there and we'll continue next week because it's kind of uh, 9.37, so we'll stop there. But it was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed. Always make sure that the golden path is the middle path, but not always. It's not always the golden path. If you find that you're going to another extreme, then it's not the golden path. You have to go slightly to the other extreme for a while to eventually get to the middle. Okay, so if you're, let's say, too um, stingy, you keep all the money to yourself and you don't share your money with others ever, and you feel like you're always so into yourself. You're never with other people. By the way, it's not only about money, right? It's about also being there for other people. Do you feel that you're only talking to somebody because you need them? You know those type of people? They give you a phone call only because they need you. And you know it. You know when you answer that call that they're asking you for something. So, so what do you want? Do you want something? Right? You know that they're calling for something. So if you feel that you're, let's say, too... Um, stingy, you take all the money for yourself, you only take for yourself, you're greedy, then what a person should do is go to the opposite side for a while. And that's the remedy. For, for quite a while, give more than 10%. Force yourself for a month to spend real time giving and eventually move to the middle again where you're right in between both giving and also looking after yourself. Okay? So that's uh, the path. It's like it's like this paper. You see this paper? This is the example I always give. So this paper right now is standing straight, right? What happens if you go a bit to... This is the right path to be on, right? A straight paper looks nice, right? Looks good. What happens if you kind of go to the other way? So you start veering off to another extreme and you start going this way. How on earth am I going to make this paper straight again? Does anyone know? You got to fold it past the middle. Exactly. Fold it the other way, right? Fold it the other way. And then, hopefully, because it's going to make me look good, right, you'll have a straight paper again. Okay? That's what we want to do. So, Judaism says, if you feel like you're going to one extreme, uh, uh, a bit too angry, okay, spend a month having no feelings, go to the other extreme. Don't try and be in the middle again. Oh, I've spent way too much time on the internet wasting my time, watching way too much things. Oh, 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 too much to the extreme of waste time. Okay, let's go to the other extreme. Disconnect from the internet for a while. Get a flip phone for a while. What, you're getting a flip phone? Are you crazy? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And eventually, you can get your smartphone back again, your iPhone, and get back into the middle. 
Okay? But that's really the, the idea in general of life. If you want to be a good, righteous person, a godly person, without any extremes, what you've got to do is be in the middle. And being pious means you go to the other extreme to get into the middle. Is it easy to get a, uh, if you feel like you're overly working, to quit your job for a month and then get back into work? It's not easy at all. That's why you're pious if you do it. Right? But pious person would always go to the other extreme to make himself in the middle. And that's why Hasid today is called a Hasid because they, they take certain mitzvot that we do to an extreme. So, we, you know, the Torah says we have to keep our payot. We can't shave this off. And the Hasid would say, okay, I'm going to grow it extra long, which is beautiful. It's much deeper than that. But that's a beautiful thing. So pious means you take an idea and you put it to the extreme for a while so that I could be in the middle again. Okay? Anyway, I believe, by the way, that's why there's a lot of extreme personalities today in, in our environment, in our culture. Because the more extreme one side goes, the more extreme the other side goes in order to try and get the middle. So we just end up, like, you know, with polit- politics right now, the more extreme one goes, we're like, oh, be more extreme that way. And eventually you've just got, right? And you really want is the middle. Everyone wants the middle. And that's the ultimate path. Anyway, I bless you all that you should uh, find the middle ground in everything. Find the golden path. And always be upright. Be upright in your ways. And this is the first chapter of Maimonides in terms of how we can live a successful and beautiful lifestyle in this world. He's got some amazing other things that we'll go through. We just went through basically the first chapter. The next six chapters are very quick, but I'll cover them as well in, uh, in the way that I'm doing it now. Okay, does this sound good? We'll do it in three weeks. Three weeks we'll finish all of this. Is this interesting? Too quick? Too slow? No. No, very good. It, it went really, it went fast. Okay, that's good. Not like you're going too fast. Okay, that's Thank good. Thank you so good. much, Rabbi. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I wish I could join your Nagila situation. <laughs> Yalla, both. I know. What could I do? Oh, I'm promoting smoking. I... <laughs> Such a bad rabbi. Nagila, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to connect to Israel, remember? Is that the way? I don't know. I guess. Rabbi, left, right, in the middle, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, Rabbi. The aim is the middle. I have a question. Yes. Hi. Of course. Rabbi Jack, how are you? Good. If I go to the extreme left, they they like come saboteurs and 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 you know things that come up and make you to break up in the middle. What do you do? So, uh, give me an example more of like what what were you talking about? Like what what personality? were you thinking of? Um, I didn't think about any personality. This was generally speaking that sometimes if we go to the extreme other side, we, we break up in the middle because it's to, to the extreme other side. I don't know. Right. So if, if let's say you really were extreme on the other way, so then it won't hurt you to go on the other extreme. For instance, I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, I, I lost a lot of weight. Okay. Two years ago, I, lost a lot of weight. I, I was always very, very healthy before I got married. And then she was cooking, right? That was it. Done. And then, and then I came a rabbi. So every single Jew I met, I'm like, hey, you Jewish? Come and eat. 
So that made it even worse. And there's just like constant food, meals, all day. And that's how we started off our outreach at the campus at the university. So eventually, um, I just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm telling you, I have a jacket. and Maybe I'll bring it out and show you. It's huge. I, I used to be really big. I carried it well, but I got really big. And um, what I did was I went to the other extreme for a while. Now, what does that mean? I literally barely ate. I ate like, I wasn't healthy, but I ate like these protein bars and like a very small amount for, for half a year. And I lost my weight again. I was so desperate to lose weight. I couldn't anymore. I lost a lot of weight. I'm still, you know, not perfect, but I, I, I've put on again a bit, but I really did lose a lot of weight. So whilst I was losing weight and I was eating basically nothing and some lettuce and some uh, vegetables or whatever, my mom told me I'm going to come anorexic based on the way I'm eating. And the truth is I will never come anorexic, right? Do you know why? Because I was so extreme on the other way, like food was, has always been, I'm such a foodie, you know, when I eat something, I'm like, mm, 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 for five hours, mm, mm. you know, I'm just going all about how it tastes. And it's like, wow, it's so good. So my, my personality is so extreme in terms of food, right? And I could be huge. I really could be huge, but I constantly work on it. My, my body, you know, it, it's, I'm not, our family's not the thinnest. We all work on it, but we're not by nature the thinnest. So I could really be huge if I just kept eating. And I, my mouth gets big. I can like, you know. So my personality is that I eat a lot. Okay, so if I go to the other extreme for, what, for a while, don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry on a person like me, based on who I am, uh, in terms of anorexia. It's okay. Okay, it, it, the, the, if, that's, if you really are extreme to the other direction, being in that direction is going to be fine. If you're not extreme in that direction, somebody, let's say, who anyway was eating three cucumbers a day and a tiny grape and, and you know, grapes, too much sugar, and they ate, and their whole life they've been skinny like anything, barely you could see anything, they're, they're a walking skeleton, and then they go on a diet, then you should worry, right? Because they were never on the other extreme. But if you really were on the other extreme, and you, you know yourself, everybody knows themselves. If I really am to the other extreme in, in what we're talking about, then I really should be able to go to the other side for a while and I'll be fine. It's okay to take on this crazy diet if I'm a foodie. But if I never was a foodie and, I, and I'm starting to go on this crazy diet, I should get worried about the person. Does that make sense? Does that answer the question? Yes, thank you so much for explaining. It's the same with anger. It's the same with any other personality. I don't know why I'm sticking to somebody's too happy. So you can be sad for a while. Don't <laughs> worry if somebody says to you, hey, you shouldn't be so sad. It's okay. That person is the happiest person. He walks into a funeral home and he's laughing, right? It's time that he gets a bit serious. So it's okay. It's okay if he gets sad for a while. Anyway, any other questions, thoughts, ideas? No, that was great. Okay. That was fun for me. Hopefully for you guys too. So, uh... Definitely.